0: Well, hello, it's me again. My name is Sammy Gondola. I'm one of the pastors here at PV. And uh, all those watching online, thank you for joining and thank you for being here. Man, there's a lot of people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. So I love a good origin story. Like when like a good, like a business that just went from a little thing, like in their garage, you know, onto this global giant. You know, I love a good origin story. And that's one of the reasons I just really, I'm excited to learn and just to look back and just really dig in into the story of the church, how it started, you know, how this whole thing started. And I just want to start with our marching orders now what the catalyst for what got what got this going from the from the beginning and that is the great commission if you're you're a believer you've been around for a while you know what this is after jesus rose from the dead he appeared to his disciples and before he ascended into heaven he gave the final marching orders to his disciples and here it is Verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Hmm, I don't know about this. What's going on? Jesus came near and said to them, all authority, just picture this moment, okay? Resurrected, glorified Jesus with his disciples. Just calls him near. And just draws in me. I said, All authority has been given. This is the commander in chief, okay, giving this order. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So I have all power. Now I'm giving you this power. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, final words, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you. You're not alone. I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven to rule and all that, but I'm, you're not alone. I'm with you. And I will send my Holy Spirit. So wait. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I was one of the disciples and I put myself in, the, in their shoes, I'm like, okay, great, that is an awesome vision. I mean, I love it, it's just great pep talk, that's awesome. But how in the world are we gonna do this? Look at us. We are just a handful of us, and and on top of that, we're being hunted. We're not free to share the gospel. To share this good news. We're not free to share our love for you and what we believe that we believe in you. How is this gonna happen? How are we gonna reach the whole world, Jesus? I was reading this article that Chad sent to me this week and it had just bent just like Phew! my mind is just going crazy. <laughs> and I just had to share it because it's huge. This is from Alan Hirsch. I a post that he did. Says, how many Christians do you think there were in the year 100 AD? So this is happening like in 40, 46, 40, 55 50 AD when this is happening right now, okay, kind of approximately. So in 100 AD, how many Christians do you think there were? And how many Christians do you think there there were? just before the Roman Emperor Constantine came into the scene, about 310 AD, so 200 years later. So the, the answer might surprise you. It surprised me. I was blown away. In the year 100 AD, 100 AD, there were as little as 25,000 Christians. So just imagine the population of Winona. So Winona, Minnesota, 25,000 people roughly, that's where how many Christians there were in the world. Just think about that. In the year 310 AD, 200 years later, there were as many as, you want to guess? 20 million. 20 million in 200 years. Just 200 years. The, the gospel just spread like wildfire. Just think about all those souls that were saved in that short period period of time. And we gotta think about this. Christianity was an illegal religion and through this period. At best, they were tolerated. At very worst, they were burned at the stake. They were beheaded. They were persecuted. They were tortured. They were martyred. They were crucified. Think about that. They didn't even have the scriptures as we know them because the canon was being put together. They were gathering the letters. So they couldn't be just like, okay, I'm just going to go first Peter, blah, blah, blah. They, They didn't have that yet. So how did they grow from being a small movement to the most significant religious force in the Roman Empire in just 200 years? How did they do it? How did God do it? We'll come back to that later. Before we dive into the text uh, this morning, I just want to give a little background where we've been in Acts right now. James, who is John's brother, was executed for believing in Jesus. So some amazing things, some great things have been happening, but some really hard things have been happening too. James was executed for his faith in Jesus by King Herod. He was a terrible ruler that terrified and just persecuted the church, the early church. Then he arrested Peter, Peter, one of the 12, because when James was executed, the Jews were just really pleased, like, hey, this is awesome. Herod is with us. This is amazing. Just, we need to stop this crazy Christianity thing. So let's kill James. And then he arrested, Herod arrested Peter to most likely kill him too but Peter is miraculously set free from prison and Chad did an awesome job so if you haven't watched the, the sermon two weeks ago, check it out because it's awesome, it goes into detail but essentially the, the angel, powerful angel was like, hey, just, just jabs him in the rib like, oh and Peter's like, what? what's going on It's he's like, okay, get dressed, put your shoes on and let's get out of here let's go and then he goes to his brothers and sisters. He's like, hey, knocks on the door. Like, took, 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 and the, the, all the disciples who were there just scared. Like, like, hey, open the door. It's Peter. It's me. And they were like, no, no way that's Peter's voice out there. Like, that's crazy. We saw him get handcuffed and thrown in, in uh, Herod's cop car. And there's no way that he let him go. There's no way that's Peter. And then Peter's like, hey, guys. On. open the door quickly before somebody sees me and take throw me back in jail like that like open the door I'm serious I'm in danger so they open the door and then Peter shares what happened and that was just amazing just awesome then Barnabas and Saul the chapter um, 12 ends with Barnabas and Saul returning to Antioch from their mission trip, their relief mission, to um, Jerusalem. They go back to, to Antioch with John, Mark, along with them. So due to intense persecution, God ordained strategic persecution, and Christianity, the gospel, not being accepted by the religious establishment and by the state, the gospel has started to spread in the region. They were multiplying, they were multiplying. They were not keeping it to themselves. The gospel has been spreading throughout Jerusalem and Samaria, Judea, even up into Syria, up to the north, tearing down national, cultural, ethnic, and religious barriers touching and transforming people from every gender, social economic status, trade, language, age, and political affiliation. For the first time, the world was seeing a religion that was truly supernatural and transcultural. God has been healing people, raising people from the dead, protecting, providing, changing lives. But all of this has been happening in the Palestinian and Syrian mainland. So when you watch the news, and you see what's going on in Palestine and Syria and Iran, all of that area, this is where it happened. Those places, that's where this happened. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has been making it clear that the gospel is for everyone, not just the Jews for a fisherman named Peter, for an Ethiopian eunuch, for a Roman soldier named Cornelius, and even for a highly educated, zealous Jewish leader called Paul of Tarsus. The gospel has spread across cultures, but now they're starting to get the message that this new mission and this new gospel and this new good news of redemption through Jesus Christ is about to explode geographically. And it begins with the church at Antioch. This is in ancient Syria, modern-day Turkey. Some fun facts for your history buffs. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria, a strategic port city Very multicultural, multi-ethnic. So when you read the scriptures, you think that way. You got to think of like different people, different shades, different costumes, like all of that happening. The church in Antioch was founded by believers that fled the intense and vicious persecution in Jerusalem after Stephen's execution in chapter 7. This is the city where the disciples were first called Christians. Interesting. With the exception of Jerusalem, there's no other place on the planet that played a more important role in the early Christian church or in the church in general. And they were the first missionary sending church in the history of Christianity. The first. So let's dive into the chapter. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas Simeon was called Niger, uh, which means the black, uh, not in a racist way, just descriptive. Lucius of Cyrene from North Africa, modern-day Libya. Manine, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Who has been brought up with Herod most likely had some status and some money and Paul, Saul of Tarsus you know I love these details when when I read the Bible these were real people real people it's like someone saying to you like hey who was at the worship and prayer night the other night they're like hey well I saw Pastor Chad was there, Pastor Daniel Liz Nelson Susie Koo Pastor Sammy, like, who's Pastor Sammy? You know, the black pastor? Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> you, you can't miss him. You can't miss him in this crowd. Yeah. Um, so you got to read this like you're scanning the room. You're scanning the room. Okay, I see Barnabas, Simeon, the darker guy, uh, Lucius, Manine, close friend of Crazy Herod, the Tetrarch, and Paul. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Roll, just rewind the tape. Manine? What? It's like, what is Manine doing here? Like, I thought, I thought you were a Herod guy. And then Manine is like, hey, just, I had an encounter with Jesus. You know, Herod and I don't hang out anymore. Um... <laughs> In fact, he was eaten by worms because he didn't give glory to God in the previous chapter. But hey, we can, we can talk about that later. We can talk about that later. It was gruesome. It's bad. It's bad. So this was an international church comprised of mostly immigrants and refugees. You could think about it. with people from different backgrounds and economic status, but unified by the gospel and their love for Jesus. That's what they unified them. They spoke different languages. They ate different type of foods. They listened to different type of music and all that kind of stuff. But they were unified by their love for Jesus. Let's continue. Verse 2. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, that this is a group, and I really don't believe in looking at commentaries and everything, it's not just those guys that were mentioned. This was the church getting together in a church worship and prayer time. Um, But those guys were just highlighted. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after they have fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. After they have fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. I really don't believe that there was this, they were in a special season of the church of like, okay, this is a time of, of prayer, like I don't or a month of prayer or something, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. But I really believe this is part of this was part of their DNA. This was, they were as as they were worshiping, the Lord spoke to them. And they were spending time with Jesus, denying of themselves to focus more on Him. It was part of their DNA. It was a part of the life of the church. And in their midst, God spoke. It doesn't say who he spoke through, but God spoke very clearly. And he says, send them. Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas. It says there were, there were prophets. And when you read that, you're like, prophets? Like, And I just want to say this. Sometimes, Like, many of us are people that, like, we just like to pray for ourselves, if we're honest. That things go well, that my kids do well in school, that they are healthy, that, you know, that our finances are fine and all that. Most of us do that. But some of you have this tendency to pray for other people. That you are just, like, you're not even thinking about it. And you're like, you're not even like with the person and you, there's this, this scripture comes to your mind and you're like, oh, what is that? And then this face and this name, they're like, okay, I'm gonna pray for them. I'm just gonna pray for, for, for Mark, let's say. And, and it's just like, Lord, be with Mark, whatever's going on, bring your peace and just protect him and encourage him. Da, da, da. And then later on, you're on the phone with Mark and you're like, hey, I was just kind of like talking, whatever. And then said, so like, hey, I, the other day, like Tuesday, I had this thought and you came to my mind and this scripture and I started praying for you. And then Mark was like, no way, no way, what? Like I was going through this very difficult thing at work and I just really needed God's just peace and, and just strength at that time. And I just really felt the Lord with me. Like, that's amazing. That was the time I was praying for you. Like, wow, that is moving in the prophetic And you might not even know it, but just continue to cultivate that gift. It's from the Lord. I believe that Saul and Barnabas and all these guys didn't didn't think of themselves as like missionaries at the time. They were just ordinary believers sharing the gospel, simply compelled to tell everyone about this risen Savior. Everyone needs to hear this message of redemption. Paul later writes in Romans 10, 14 and 15, how can they, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they, of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? They are seeking the Lord and God spoke in their midst. And sent them. Do you know that God wants to speak to us today? This is not just for the Bible times, just for like, oh, the super religious people. This is for all of us. God wants to speak to us today through His Word, in prayers. We spend time with Him through a friend. I see the church in Antioch like an aircraft carrier, really. Like in the movie Top Gun Maverick. Who has seen the movie? Raise your hand. Without, fa- without shame. Yes. Loved it. And if you've seen the movie, there's this moment after all the preparation, all the training to go into this crazy, just really dangerous mission. And the jets are ready to go. Like the jet fighters just ready to go at the, the, the um, tarmac, just ready. And they're just engine isn't going everybody's ready and tom cruise is like just waiting for the order like okay let's go you know and then comes the moment when the actor john ham's character vice admiral bow cyclone simpson who didn't like tom cruise at all <laughs> he gives the final order and when he when he gave the order, I had I got goosebumps because it's like they've been preparing for this, they're ready to rock and roll, they're ready to go, and he says, Sent them. <laughs> and they just let go like that. Ah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Woo! That was amazing. Sent them. The Holy Spirit gave them that call and that command. Sent them. I'm not telling you where yet. I'm not saying how things are going to go. Just trust me, obey, and go. And I will show you as you go. The church in Antioch has, had already been proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, in the nearby areas. But the Holy Spirit is leading the church to go further, to go cross their borders. So let's go to verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, very important. Don't go on your own. <laughs> okay. Just being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, around 16, 16 miles from Antioch. They go, Antioch, Seleucia, the port there. Um, and there and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Barnabas, that's going with Paul is from Cyprus. Did you know that? Like they were going back to, the, to his homeland. F- verse five, arriving in Salamis, they ate some salami. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, arriving in Salamis, they, tra- <laughs> they traveled by boat around 130 miles south. So 130 miles by boat to Salamis, the first port there. They, they get there. They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John Mark as their assistant. We start seeing a pattern from Paul, Saul, Paul, to first start sharing the gospel in Jewish synagogues, in Jewish temples. Let's go to our people. Let's go to people that have a common religious background and language so we can start speaking to them. It's like the first thing he does when he gets off the plane and connects to Wi-Fi. And he gets his phone out, his iPhone 14. It's like, hey, Siri, where is the, the nearest Jewish synagogue? Is she going to do it? She didn't do it. She showed me there's one in La Crosse. That's awesome. Siri is awesome. So Paul is like, like hey where's the nearest jewish synagogue and then barnabas is like hey ask her if like there, where's the like if there is a starbucks on the way cuz you know i i am falling asleep and we got to be ready to go so <laughs> it's, it's like the first thing that, that what is the first thing that you ask when you get off the plane and you land in mexico or like some spanish speaking country what is the first thing that you do when you land you get off the plane What is the weather? ¿Dónde está el baño? That's what you do. That's what you do. Now, don't don't let this stop you from learning Spanish. It will get better as you go. And I've been made fun of for for my accent for years. Even my wife and kids still do, especially when I came for the first time here to the U.S. So now is your turn. Now is your turn. So, And I have a a mission trip story that that I have to share. And I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud of this. Um, But when I was on staff with YWAM a long time ago, Youth with a Mission um, in Panama, and I was the guy that would... Take the 15-passenger van and and go to the airport and wait for the teams from the U.S. or other countries. And I was that guy they will pick everybody up and welcome, bienvenidos a Panama, like oh, welcome and all that stuff. And I will take people all over um, teams and to churches and do all kind of different places outreach. And I try to translate, or, and my my English wasn't good um, back then, but I, I could understand a lot. And I tried and I tried and I. All that, and but there's this time with this American team. I believe they're from Wisconsin, and I'm driving the van, and we stopped at a gas station in Panama City, the city where I grew up, where I was born, and um, we're with this moment. We're filling the gas, blah blah blah, and the the American team just got kind of gather around the van, just kind of checking the place out, blah, blah blah, and there's a moment where I'm alone in the uh, driver's seat. And um, there's a group of, of Panamanian kids, begging for money. They were really poor, begging for money, and they were just raggedy clothes. And they were like walking. Oh, okay. They came to me, and they're like, "Señor, ¿nos puede dar un poquito de dinero porque tenemos hambre?" Mister, can you give us a little bit of money because we're hungry? Because we're hungry. And in that moment, I'm like, I'm gonna mess with these kids. <laughs> And I'm not proud of this, but I was like, I was like, um, uh, no comprendo, espanol. <laughs> and the, the kids were like, oh, lo siento. And then they were leaving. And I'm like, hey, no, I'm kidding. I'm from here. You know, I'm, I'm Panamanian. Uh, you know, come here and I give them some money, hang out with them. And then they, off they went. But yeah, that was bad. That was terrible. <laughs> That's bad, it's so wrong on me. Uh, but I've been around Americans a lot that I, I got the, the, the accent down. I got it. <laughs> <clears throat> but why go to the Jewish synagogues right away, Paul? Why? Why? This was the natural starting point since the Jewish people already believed in the, in the prophets and the Old Testament as the true and authoritative word of God. So we have that down. Okay. There was a common language and historical foundation of all the amazing things the Lord has done their forefathers. They followed the law and the prophets. They knew there were special people set apart. But they thought it was just for themselves. They thought it was just for the Jews. We are special. They are, but they really didn't understand why God called Abraham and made a covenant with him. And it says in in Genesis 12 that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So through your lineage, through you, all the peoples of the earth the earth will be blessed. And all the prophecies about the Messiah that was to come. You know, I was very convicted when I was looking at this. And I was just like, you know, we as Christians today, sometimes um, we have the same problem as the Jews. We forget. It's easy to forget the why, why God saves us, why God called us, why we exist as a church. It's easy to think that all of this is for us and exclude others that don't look like us, don't speak the same language, don't dress like us, don't think like us. So at the synagogue, Saul would ask, say, may I, excuse me, may I please have, uh, can I please read from from the prophet Isaiah? Can you give me that scroll? Anybody that can find the the scroll from, from the book of Isaiah, the prophet? Then he will go to Isaiah 53 and just like, just picture that moment. He's just opening the scroll. Here it is, Isaiah 53. And then he says, surely, verse four, he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, brothers. But he was crushed and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. They would just stand in the synagogue speaking to the the Jewish uh, people there and just like, okay, so listen. Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of our fathers, has sent us today to tell you and to explain what this means. That Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And he's the only way to salvation. And they're like, wow. And in some places, they received. In other places, as we will see as we continue, they did not like that. But he would go to this, or they would go to the synagogues and start sharing that. And it's just like, hey, let me explain what this means. Let's look at the prophecies. Let's look at why we are special people. Let's look at the lineage of Jesus and where he was born and all this stuff and da 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 da. How he died It's all foretold. And we saw him. We, I saw Paul. I saw him. He came. He's alive. He's resurrected. So everything seems to be going well. It's like. We're getting access to the Jewish synagogues. We can speak. People are starting to listen. This is easy. This is going according to plan. But then, boom. The first bump in the road. The first opposition. Verse 6. When they had traveled the whole island as as far as Pathos, 90 miles southwest. You see the whole island, the blue line there. So imagine like from here to Hastings. That's Canada, the distance. They came across a sorcerer, a type of magician, Jewish false prophet named Bar Jesus. How deceitful, okay? Bar Jesus, my name is Bar Jesus, son of salvation, which is the the, the meaning. And verse seven, he was with the proconsul, which is the highest-ranking Roman official in the province. Because this is a very important guy. So this magician, Bar Jesus, was with the proconsul, and many um, commentaries believe that he was an attendant of the proconsul. Sergius Paulus, an, intel- an intelligent man, and he was smart enough to think and to know, hmm, I need to listen to these guys that just came to town. There is just something about them. I need to listen to them. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elemas, the sorcerer, which is the name of the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. This encounter reminds me in Lord of the Rings, the two towers, King Theoden, goes into um, to speak with the king that is under the spell of the sorcerer, Saruman, and the Lord of the Rings. And here's that scene. If you've seen the, the movie, you can remember that. And Gandalf, Gandalf enters the king's hall with a staff and just a small entourage. And he, um, to destroy the spell, and Saruman says like, he's not welcome here to the king remember that was a good accent um (laughs) then gandalf gandalf was like too long you have stayed in the shadows you know and he takes the staff and he's like and i love this part he's like i release you and then this whole thing happened and the king is like and he was like all gray like that and then the, the the spell was broken he was he was healed he was back to normal so bar bar jesus is the sorcerer was doing the same thing with the proconsul. He's it's like don't listen to these guys just listen just listen to me you know and but the proconsul was smart enough to be like you know i there's something about these guys there's something i need to hear you know, as we try to, fo- to follow God's leading and being obedient to his calling in our lives, we might never encounter like a-, a sorcerer or a false prophet. But I can guarantee you that we will encounter oppositions of many, many, many kinds that will come in the form of criticism to make us doubt, bring confusion, and make us ashamed and intimidated. Or we might lose friends and even people that we love might push us away because we chose to follow Jesus. We will and we have encountered opposition. It's part of the game, it's part of the business, it's part of being a son and daughter of Jesus. And when we're trying to witness, and this has happened to me, like when trying to witness to someone and everything is just hard, man, it's like, like I'm, like I'm talking to the wall, like there's nothing happening. It's just hard. And it's just like, you know what? We got to remember that our, our fight is not against, against, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the, the, per, the principalities and the powers of darkness. And there's stuff going on in the spiritual realm that we might not even be aware of, that we can't see, but it's real. We just got to keep pressing on pressing on and praying for people and don't give up don't give up verse 9 but saul also called paul here is the first time now we have permission to call saul paul because this is the first time that saul is addressed as paul which is his greek name and now it's kind of like you are officially being sent to reach the gentiles and most of the Gentiles at that time spoke Greek. So that makes sense. So we will we, we'll start seeing now Paul, Paul from the now for the whole uh, book. Filled with the Holy Spirit, start, stared straight at Elimus and said, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil and not of salvation. You are working for the enemy an enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? It's kind of like, Paul is like, come on, man. Just give it up. And when I read that, I was thinking like, who else Jesus called not son of the devil, like Paul called this guy, but actually Satan himself. Who, if you remember? Peter. Peter. The Apostle Peter, one of the original 12. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. When he was trying to convince Jesus to not go to the cross and just go the easy, the easy route. And Jesus was like, hey, I don't know if he slapped him. But hey, wake up. You're working for the enemy. Come on. Stop. And also, who was doing this just a few years ago? Paul, he opposed the gospel. He even imprisoned and killed Christians for their faith. Verse 11. Now look, and I love this because it's like we're not intimidated by your trickery, we're not intimidated by your demonic powers. We are here in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected king of kings. The Lord's hand is against you. The same thing that God did to me on the road to Damascus for my rebellion and to get my attention is going to happen to you. Because you're rebelling against the most high God. And you're hindering people, you're hindering others from seeing the light. You are going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time, for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. There is a potential, you know, when I read this, I'm just going to say it right now. Like when I read this, I was like, yes, smite him. You know, just take him out. Like this guy needs to be dealt with. This needs to, he needs to be cursed. And I went out, and I, it's weird. Like I was reading it and I just felt compassion for this guy in the spirit. Like I just felt the Lord being like, you know what? Yeah, I did that to Paul and, and he came to me. And he recognized my, that I'm, the, I'm, I'm Jesus and I'm, I'm the Messiah. And, and like, I just felt compassion for this guy. His blindness was temporary, not permanent. So got, if elemas got the point, as Paul did, perhaps this could be the way that God would get him, get his heart. So the lesson us here is that it doesn't say what happened to elemas uh, after his sight came back per- perhaps he accepted jesus maybe not maybe yes we don't know but the point is that our responsibility is to be obedient to be obedient to say what we need to say to do what we need to do to pray what we need to pray and leave the results to god amen amen, amen. Verse 12. Then when he saw what happened, when the proconsul saw what happened, like, okay, this guy is powerful and has all this power and knowledge and trickery and he's a magician. So when, he, when the proconsul saw what happened, the proconsul believed. Woo! Because he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. The proconsul was like, Okay, you guys, whatever you have is legit. Like, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I want to follow him. And that is a beautiful moment. They were living on mission, these guys. Walking with Jesus. And in their journey, God used them to do some amazing things and see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. This calling to live on mission is not only for the professionals and for the missionaries, the pastors, and the leaders of the church. God is calling all of us to live this way. At home, at work, in the classroom, the grocery store, wherever we are. Our mission as believers and as the church is to set the captives free from the power of darkness and with the power of the Holy Spirit to help people see the truth, to set people free from the spell of this world and the enemy so they can be taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You may think this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a missionary. I'm not going to another country. I'm not doing any of that. You might not be called to a foreign country, okay, to share the gospel. But, But you know what? Some of you will. Some of you will. But you will be going to a foreign environment on Monday with people that need Jesus, that need the love of Jesus. In your workplace, in your school. You may be the only one following Jesus in your family. God wants to use you to show them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus came for them. So let's go full circle. Remember our first question, how in the world is this going to happen? Jesus gives us the answer. They're in the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make what? Disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded to you. 25,000 Christians, year 100 AD, 20,310 AD, 200 years later, and counting. Jesus knew this couldn't happen just if it was just the apostles and the early disciples living on mission, sharing the gospel. It took every believer, and that hasn't changed. The key word here is disciple. Disciple. Not a fan of this Christianity thing. Not church attenders. Committed disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. Fully functioning, using our gifts within the church and outside of the church. Being the church, not just going to church. Before we can make disciples, we got to be a disciple. An apprentice. We need to spend time with him. Learn from him. His word, word, hear his voice, model him, become like him, trust him, and do whatever he calls us to do. We must follow him and go wherever he leads us across the street to our neighbor, across the aisle, across our cubicle, and yes, across the world. It takes all of us to live on mission. And guess what? Like the church in Antioch that, that commissioned Paul and, and Barnabas and laid hands on them and they were sent out. We get to do that this morning. We're one of our own. Kim Larson, please come up. Worship team and some of the elders and pastors uh, and staff and friends come up. Kim um, came to know the Lord here at PV when she was going to college. And um, she was a village group leader. She was involved in the, our kids' ministry. And, started, and then she started taking college students to, to Tokyo, Japan on mission trips. And the Lord just started developing a heart for the Japanese people. And now she is she's one of our missionaries. She's one of our own. She's ready to go in, when are you going? In
1: 11 days.
0: In 11 days, full time, to Tokyo now for good. So we want to pray for her. We want to commission her. We want to bless her. But please share with us a little bit what's, what's going on. Yeah. What the Lord's doing.
1: Thank you, Sammy. So on February 11th of 2016, I gave my life here at Pleasant Valley. Um, when I was a college student. And a month later in this room, I learned about missions in the 1040 window. Um, I ended up interning with this missions organization and leading uh, three mission trips for Winona State students to go to Tokyo. And that's where I learned that Tokyo is the second largest unreached people group in the world. That they're in a suicide epidemic where 70 people take their life a day. And that they're in this toxic work mentality that they have to work 80 hour work weeks in order to have a sense of honor. When I was there, I saw a little bit of of myself and my story there. Um, There's a lot of people who are atheists. There's a lot of people who believe in Buddhism and Shintoism, and there's a lot of people that just don't have hope and love and know who Christ is. And so I'm really excited to go over there and join a team of 15 of us, soon to be 16, and we are going to be church planters. The apartment that I'm going to be moving into, I get to have church there. Um, And I get to lead women into growing in their faith and growing in leadership. And I get to work with um, young women to grow in a relationship with Jesus through just doing life with them, um, meeting them where they're at. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. That's awesome, that's awesome. Sweet.
0: That's awesome. Let's stand. This is a very special moment. And if you can extend your hand symbolically, and we're going to lay hands on you, my sister, and we're going to pray for you and commission you. Yeah.
2: Father, we thank you so much for Kim. And just what an honor it is that um, we got to be a part of her story coming to you. And it's been such a pleasure for me to see you initially grab her heart and and then just fill her with your spirit and, um, and to see all of the change that has happened in her life over the past uh, six years. And I just pray that you would um, just fill her with confidence, Lord, and we just declare that she has everything she needs in you. And we thank you that she is a woman who is full of your spirit and just Um, lives her life to please you. Mm -hmm. And we just thank you for her. We know that uh, the people that she's going to interact with are going to get a taste of Jesus just by seeing her live and just by interacting with her. And we're so excited to hear stories of people's lives being changed, people's forevers being changed uh, because they came in contact with Kim.
3: i just want to thank you for for kim and just for her obedience to say yes to you lord for the verses that sammy put up on the screen from romans 10 that blessed are the feet of those who bring the gospel of christ also isaiah 6 8 that says the lord said whom shall i send isaiah says send me so thank you for kim for the obedience to say yes i'm going i'm sent lord Uh, bless the team that is down in japan as well tokyo waiting for her to arrive um strengthen the relationships that they will soon begin and also the relationships that Kim will begin to have with other people in the local community in Tokyo. God, thank you so much for this beautiful woman. thank you for um, what you have made the uniqueness that is her. I thank you for her tenderness and um, her joy. Um, I thank you, Lord, that, um, you know, several years ago that you brought her to faith in you and that your gospel has the power to change lives and that you changed Kim's life. I just pray that as she goes out, Lord, would that be the only thing that gives her um, power um, to to share the gospel with other people, her own story. And I just pray that you would um, just remove any obstacles, any barriers in the way of people just knowing you through her story. I just pray that... Um, as she, as she goes to Japan, as she gets to know new people, friendly faces, would you um, just provide hospitality for her, a safe place for her to kind of land? Um, but also as you strengthen those relationships, um, would those people see that there's something something about Kim that, that they're missing, that they need, that they want, um, and that, that your, your gospel would just continue to spread through her relationships into the lives of the people that she comes in contact with? We trust you, Lord. We know that your gospel... Contains power that it alone can um, bring people transformation, and so we trust that we know that's true. Um, and we and we just yeah, we just boldly ask that that would happen um, through Kim in Japan. So we thank you so much for who she is. Um, Lord protect her in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you for that, and thank you for praying for Kim, and we just really stand with her and as a church. And Lord, we thank you for the ability that you have to speak to us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in this place, Lord. Um, All that we have learned and we've heard this, this morning, let it sink in into our hearts, and Holy Spirit, just water that seed. Lord, help us to be the church. Committed followers, disciples of you, that tell others, that reproduce ourselves through the power, power of your Holy Spirit, speaking truth and loving people like you love them. Show people, showing people Jesus. Lord, thank you. We worship you. Let's worship.